Welcome to Life Snacks. This is a podcast on a mission to help a woman navigate post-grad life together through snack-sized stories, but life-changing advice. This is for every one of us out there dealing with the realities of life after college that no one talks about. For those of you that may be feeling lost, you are not alone. Join me on this journey to get to the bottom of the shit we weren't taught in school. We'll discuss health, wealth, relationships, careers, and how to truly create our greatest lives. We've got big visions and big missions, so we're breaking them down bite by bite to help you make your postgrad dreams a reality. I'm your host, Lauren Tierney, and let's get snacking. Welcome back to another episode. I am just so honored to share what was such a beautiful conversation with you all today. In this conversation, we sit down with Natalia Benson. Natalia is a woman's empowerment coach, money mentor, and astrologer. And what she does that is so unique is she brings the tactical tools for navigating life really with the spiritual and empowerment side to help women change their lives. What's so powerful about this conversation is often we focus so much on the tactical, meaning how to get the job, how to write a good cover letter, how to negotiate the raise, and really how to navigate the world of business. But no one ever stops and teaches us how to do the inner work, how to feel deserving of getting a raise, and how to use the subconscious mind and visualization practices to manifest the things you want in your life. And manifest is such a buzzword now, but we really get into the nitty gritty of what that means and what kind of work you need to do in your life to get yourself to a point where you can manifest your dreams. Natalia shares so openly about her struggles to find love and how she manifested her now fiance when she finally stopped looking outward, going out, drinking, dating all the time, and sat with herself and reflected on what she wanted. She shares that she stopped letting other people choose her and she started to really choose herself, which is just such a powerful message for those of us in our 20s struggling with relationships and friendships and really to get clear on what you want and who the people you choose to be in your life are instead of letting other people choose for you. At the end of this episode, Natalia does something that was so freaking cool to me. She does an astrology reading of really our generation or my generation. So anyone in your 20s, this will pertain to you. She unpacks some of the characteristics of our generation that were honestly mind-blowingly accurate and explains what we can expect from other generations, both older and younger than us. This was honestly so freaking cool to watch her pull up the chart and really do her thing. I highly recommend you listen to the end if you're interested in this astrology piece or you've never heard someone do such an in-depth reading. This was honestly so beautiful and just so powerful to watch her do such an in-depth reading. So guys, I know you're going to love Natalia. It was truly an honor to have her on the show and we're just so lucky to chat with her. So here's Natalia Benson. Hi, Natalia. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm great, babe. Thank you for having me. I'm super honored to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And I have to share that I know we scheduled this months out, but 
I obviously listen to all my guests on other podcasts the week leading up to it. And I've been hearing your voice a ton this week <laughs> and it's been a really, really challenging week, but I feel like it just aligned so perfectly because everything you share on podcasts in your work is so grounding and fill, filled with so many tactical reminders. And I feel like it just aligned perfectly with what I needed to hear this week. I'm, I actually started the power of the subconscious mind because you this week. So I'm just so excited for this conversation. Oh, that's so beautiful. And, and you just said something that just fills me with so much just gratitude because I always want what I share to be applicable to your life to make an instant shift. And that book is the best. It's the best. That book is yeah. a game changer. Yes. I just started it on audible because I only can listen to books, but I'm super excited to dive in. That's dope, babe. So before I get into all the things, I have to ask you a very important question. And it is, what is your favorite snack right now? And what was your favorite childhood snack? Oh my God. I love this question. So it's really funny actually, because I'm at, I'm on whole 30 right now. So if you would have asked me maybe a couple months ago, um, I actually realized it was important that I do whole 30 because one Saturday afternoon, I found myself eating half of a bag of uh, Siet, the Siete Pepita chips. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever had those. Yeah. yeah. They're fucking addicting. So, and so I literally was sitting there and I was like, this is actually completely inappropriate now. And like, <laughs> we're, we're not doing this. So a couple months ago, it was the Siete Pepita potato chips. And then now, oh my God, what is my favorite snack? I feel like it's I just love, I, okay. I should have been more prepared. I have a lot of favorite snacks. I actually love the dried apple crisps with um, cinnamon. They're mm. literally just like organic apples um, yeah. with cinnamon. And I can't just say, I truly cannot say just one. I also love water lily seeds. Have you ever had those? No. Where do you find those? Whole foods. They're, yeah. they're, um, they're like an Ayurveda snack and yeah. they, this one particular company, I I'm blanking on the name right now, but they have a chili lime flavor. That's amazing. I actually want them right now. They have a lot of magnesium in them too, which is really good for everyone. So it's funny. I feel like when you do whole 30 or things like that, and you start eating fruit and things like that, you start to crave it. Like instead yeah. of something sugary, you want an apple. That's something I've been focusing on more, like yes. eating more whole foods. And then I find myself craving fruit, but that's like something I normally would never. Totally. It's so powerful how your palate changes. Like mm -hmm. when I didn't have like parameters on what I was eating, even just a couple of weeks ago, I, you just let things slide and you're just like, Oh, I'm working out or I'm doing this or I'll go for a run tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, I find that the way I do one thing is the way I do everything. So if I'm holding myself to high integrity with what I put in my body, I just find that I show up so much more powerfully in everything else that I do. Now, um, to answer the second part of your question about the childhood snack, oh my God, like she would, 
I don't think she would have ever imagined we'd be speaking <laughs> like this. Yeah, I mean, same. Oh my my, my parents look at me now and they're like, "You're you eat what now?" Because I know. Oh my god! I, I I was like the fast food queen. Like, I mean, when I was younger, I was a dancer, and I just, I mean, and I I'm from a little place in Phoenix called Awatuki. It's like every fast food place on every corner. I was like. Domino's pizza dipped in ranch dressing, like Mm -hmm. big Mac. I ate all of that stuff. And, um, so I think when I was younger, my favorite snack in Awatuki, as I mentioned, lots of fast food places. And we used to have this cute, tiny little water store Mm -hmm. and it was right next to my dance studio. And so I would go into this water store and get flaming hot Cheetos and any candy that I could get. I was a sugar addict. So that really tells you a lot about me, doesn't it? And wow, how much we've changed because I cannot imagine eating any of that now. Well, it's funny because, right, we evolve in every possible way. So this ties into our conversation perfectly. I want to ask you about really your early 20s. So many of my listeners are in that post, their post-grad years and their mid and early 20s. And it's such a transitional period of life, but also so many feelings of feeling lost and unworthy and just confused. Like I get the job and went to college, like, fuck, is this it? Now I need to get married and do that whole thing. And I really want to talk about what your mindset was like back then and kind of the struggles you faced and how you overcome to become the human you are today that supports and helps so many women. So I guess taking a step back, you can tell us the work you do, kind of tying it all in to those times in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. My early twenties were really, really gnarly. I'm really passionate about speaking to women who are in their twenties. Um, because I didn't have a lot of guidance. I really had maybe one person in my life who ever so often like gave me a little glimmer of context that, I was okay. And I was on the path. And I remember every time she did, it was like water in the desert. You know what I mean? It just like helped me feel like I wasn't alone. Like I wasn't such a fuck up, like, like so many things. So just to give some context uh, at this point, I'm a, I'm a women's empowerment coach. I mainly focus on financial empowerment and women creating their own revenue streams through conscious business. Um, I am an astrologer. My first love is astrology and esoteric. So I basically began as well, my first business ever was jewelry. And then I got really into spirituality. Um, I had a drug, a, a drug addiction, alcohol issues, but in that, this was in my early twenties, but really all I was seeking in those times of addiction was my soul. I was just looking for a sense of connection. Um, I was looking for healing, Um, I had something really traumatic happen when I was about six and, and throughout my young years, more micro traumas, just cause I got, I got bullied and like harassed by boys. And so my original idea about myself was that I must not be worthy because these things have occurred. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started to find 
spiritual practice. And by spiritual practice, I mean meditation and yoga and nature and feeling just more connected beyond what I'd been told life was about. Um, that was when I really started to find myself, but it was a very long process. My twenties were very painful. They were, there were moments of, 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 hope and groundedness. And then, but most of it was just like a spin cycle of lessons. A lot of them stemming from first the addiction stuff and then moving into uh, really tumultuous relationships. So just what I do find very often is that your twenties, you have such a propensity. You have such an opportunity to truly build yourself, but you also have to be gentle because there's, there's kind of an irony in astrology. So the eighth house is a Scorpio ruled house. And that is the house of sex, death, and taxes we'll say, or other people's money. And it's really ironic because for some reason, everyone expects you to be the best at sex and the best at money, but no one really tells you how to do either of those things. It's like just somehow expected. And the reason I bring that up is because your twenties are kind of like that. Everybody expects you to be like masterful and to stop living at your parents or not to say everyone's like that, but very often it's like, there are these cultural expectations that you should have everything figured out. And it doesn't take into account well, who actually teaches us these things? Where are the mentors? What is out beyond um, kind of the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but what's out beyond sort of the norms of what we're told we're supposed to be. Um, and that's why I'm very passionate about my work because I love what you said about it being tactical because I feel like that's all I craved was like, I just wanted someone to grant me some fucking how to's on how to move forward. And the reason I say it took me a long time was also because I didn't have guidance. I didn't have a lot of access to information. I did here and there, but it's so different now. It's exciting. And to me, a lot of women that I'm meeting in their twenties, y'all are so beyond where I was because you just, and also you're a unique generation And we can get it. Maybe we'll get into that today about how the astrology works and the generations. But um, I have a lot of like excitement about your your generation and the decade that you're in, because I look at the time of my 20s and the reason I am where I am at this moment. And who I am at this moment is because of my twenties and because of the challenges I went through and also because of all the magnificent things that I learned. So it was a very long-winded answer. Love it. I'm very, very passionate about, about this, that this conversation. That was so beautiful. And it's funny because your work is so tactical, but I think a lot of times when people think tactical, we hear this is how you negotiate for a race. This is how you go for the dream job. We don't hear about the inner work. We don't hear that. This is what you need to think about. This is the type of work and the time you need to spend alone. And no one talks about that. And I think it almost is like we approach these conversations or life moments or career paths, but we haven't really done the inner work. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk us through that inner work you did at the beginning of your twenties that started to pull through those more positive things for you. 
I love this question. This is so powerful. So yeah, I mean, my twenties were a spin cycle and it was all because I was always attempting to avoid myself, but everything in the universe, everything in my life was all calling me inside. Mm -hmm. And when I would come in, when I would come home into myself, like I'll tell you a quick story, but I went through a pretty major breakup. I think when I was about 24 and it was my choice. And, um, then later I wanted this person back and it was a whole, um, another, it was very challenging. And I remember there was a day where I was going to go out. I lived in Los Angeles. So it was easy to go out, easy to party, easy to just avoid yourself at all costs. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was going to go out, do all these things. And I was really looking forward to it because I didn't want to be with myself. I didn't want, I didn't want to deal with how I was feeling. And I remember I decided, I was like, you know what? This is, I lived in part of a living room, by the way, I had a meditation altar and a bed and then a curtain that separated my room from the rest of the house. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be here. I told my friends, I can't, I'm not going to be able to join you. And, um, I was like, I got to sit down and feel what I'm feeling. And I, I need to talk to my ex, but not like I'm going to talk to him, like call him on the phone or text him. I need to talk to him energetically. And so I just remember turning off my phone, lighting some candles, probably who knows? I don't remember what this altar looked like, but I just sat in this sacred space with myself and felt my fucking emotions. And that's a really powerful practice. I think a lot of us very often, we just want to avoid and our culture gives us all the tools to avoid ourselves. It's like, you can be externally focused for your entire life. Mm-hmm. If you wanted most, to be. most people are. Yeah. Cause it's easier. It's yeah. much harder to feel and to go within. And, and I also believe that I really believe in the concept of soul age and it's not a hierarchy. It's just age, just like me as a 34 year old, I wouldn't say I'm somehow more intelligent or blah, blah, blah than a six-year-old. It's just, we're at unique ages. We're at unique stages. The same as with souls. And so say some souls are truly meant to go deep and feel and process and heal and, and, and really go into the depths of life. And some people are just not at that stage yet. And there's a great book about this by, um, Ainsley McLeod and it's called, Oh, not journey of souls. That's another book. I love, um, it's called the old souls guidebook. Amazing book. So if any of you are into the woo, it's a beautiful book to read. So the reason I bring up this story as like a bit of a little antidote is just that's, that was my twenties. It was literally about sitting back and not doing what everybody else was doing, but rather listening to myself. And I went back and forth. That was the tumble cycle of it because I wanted to be with everyone and doing all the things, but my deeper calling was in business and building my businesses and making money for myself and learning about myself and understanding my soul and understanding the spiritual. And, um, that's really what colored my twenties was just inner work, spiritual work, meditation, silence, Kundalini yoga, yoga itself, lots of teacher trainings. Like what else did I do? 
I don't even know. I did so much shit and some of it really grasped and some of it didn't. But I think my deepest calling was that I just knew I wanted to feel okay. I knew I wanted to be happy. I knew that I wanted to feel connected to other people and most of all connected to myself. And so I don't want to say there was a one size fits all moment that was like, it all worked out, but I think it was just subtle moments over time where I just stayed committed to going inside and being alone when it was being asked of me. And I could feel when it was important for me to be alone because basically what would happen is I would um, just feel this like resistance and this, this burning. And like, it was weird. Like, I'm sure you, maybe you know what I'm talking about, but where you're like, you're not listening to yourself and your soul's trying to get your attention. Um, so yeah, it was, it was powerful. And as I got in my later twenties into my early thirties, I got very into hypnosis. Um, I've always been a journaler for sure. That's something that's stayed with me. And I just think moving forward, like into my thirties, the inner work that I really do is like conversations with myself. Like if something's feeling off, turn off the music, turn off the podcast, turn off the distraction. Don't call anybody. Just talk to yourself for a little while because you'll be amazed what a good listener you are. And when you just have a conversation with you, it's really profound what you can, you know, what you can uncover about where you are and how you actually feel about something. That's so true. And I want to tap into you talking about kind of avoiding those going out and like, go, go, go situations to sit with yourself. And maybe this is just a question that comes up for me. Like, do you think you can fully be happy and fulfilled and find your power? If that is always you, because I think so much of our twenties is go, go, go. And a lot of people are dating all the time and Mm -hmm. finding external things. And like, at some point, do you think you have to stop to really get where you want to be? I think everyone has their own unique path. I think that the universe, God, whatever word resonates, guides uniquely. But at the same time, just from my own experience, I really know how powerful it is to be with yourself. And I think when you are constantly being stimulated by other people and all of the things, which look, those are fun. I've had many moments of that. But there's still like those moments can be even more satisfying when you know how to be in the core of who you are. There's a, there's a beautiful quote. I believe it's by Hafiz. Um, it's something about how better than a, a, a crowd, a roaring crowd of thousands of people is the power of your own silence. And, um, Yeah, that's, I I don't think that there's maybe a black or white answer because I think that being in the external and being outward facing, there can be so many lessons and so many things that call you forward into your wisdom. But again, you also have to allow yourself the spaciousness to, you know, maybe process, but everyone's personalities are unique everyone's soul missions and purposes for what they're meant to do to grow while they're incarnated is unique. But I think that, as I said, from my own perspective, 
when you know how to be alone with yourself and process the things of the world and really decide how you feel and what they mean to you, you have like an unparalleled power to create your life. That's so beautiful. And on that note, I think that does, I've heard you talk about becoming what you're seeking. And in terms of dating, I would love to talk about this because you are in a beautiful relationship that you share very openly about and how you really called in and manifested your now fiance. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I'd love if you could share what you mean by that, really become mm -hmm. what you're seeking, because it's something I don't think a lot of young women dating or people in general think about. It's more like, did they like me? Like, am I going to be enough for them? Yeah. And really understanding kind of what that inner work looks like going through the process of trying to find someone. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful way to phrase this. And, um, I mean, I think every person comes forward to, to teach and guide you on something. Um, I went through, as I mentioned, lots of challenging relationships and situations in my 20s, friendships as well. It wasn't just mm -hmm. um, romantic. It was kind of me learning myself through people and through me always wanting someone to claim me. That used to be my old thing. It's actually also reflected in my astrology chart, like just that need for approval, that need for partnership. But like essentially I didn't really get the hang of this until right before I met Mick. And I was, I was 31 when I met Mick about to turn 32. So right before, um, I made a couple really powerful decisions. I decided to stop allowing people to choose me and rather me choose them Yes, and listen to my body. Because I think what I had done for so long, especially when I used to drink alcohol and I used to drink a lot of alcohol and my connection to a lot of people was through alcohol and through drinking and partying and whatever, you know, that clouds your judgment. It clouds your intuition very often. And so I would ignore because I craved connection and partnership and validation so deeply, I would just kind of like ignore these promptings that I would get from my intuition, from God, from my life. And I would just get ushered into these situations where I was again, over and over in these dynamics where I was letting people tell me my worth, tell me if I was enough or not, tell me if they wanted me or not. And that was just a lesson that I went through over and over right before Mick and I got together, um, about five months earlier. So I used to have a horrific emotional abandonment issue. That was actually what every, like if we, I almost forget about it because, and here's why in September of 2018, that was my world changing, life-changing year, September, 2018, I went and got an EFT tapping session with a woman named Gala Darling. I don't know if you follow her, but she's mm -hmm. a jam. And I, I had known her from Instagram and I booked a session and basically I was like, I had been dating someone. It was really sketchy, really challenging emotionally for me. And I, I was always so afraid of being abandoned. So 
she sat down with me and in 30 minutes, 30 minutes, we removed something from my nervous system that had actually been plaguing me since I was about 14 years old. Wow. So everything in my dating life was really being run from that core wound of fear of emotional abandonment, Mm -hmm. um, all the things. And after that got shit, I shifted out of that. It was a miracle. I dated one more person after that, where I got to test my worth. I got to test my power and I did, and I passed and that was that. And then I was dating and talking to people here and there. And I really started to listen. Do I want this person? Are they right for me? Do I like how I'm being treated? And I started, I raised my caliber. I raised the bar and it wasn't from a place of ego. Yeah. I, I moved with integrity, mm-hmm. which I, with, I, which I didn't used to, I just as much as I got ghosted, I would ghost because I was afraid of emotional intimacy. And so moving closer to when I was about to meet Mick, which I didn't know this at the time, I wish I had God, it would have saved me so much pain, so many, so much stuff. But right before I met Mick, I started saying the most powerful world word in the universe, which is the word. No, I started saying no to myself. I started saying no to others and informing them of my choice. And that babe was just a full game changer. And I met Mick not long after all of that. And when we met, I knew he was extremely special. Like I knew that he was likely the person that I was going to marry. But also my ego was like, no, what are you talking about? We've never had this feeling and we've never, we've never felt like this before. That was really my ego story. And so Mick, I remember we were in Malibu together and we just both knew by the third time we had spent time together and he asked me to be with him. And I was like, yeah, we can give it a whirl. And he was like, we can get a whirl. And I was like, yeah, he's like, uh, no, like we're going to do this. And I was like, oh, you know what? And I took immediate responsibility. I think I went to the bathroom. I was like, give it a whirl. What am I saying? (laughs) It's like word vomit. Yeah. I was like, so perplexed. And I remember just being like, you know what? Um, I am, I apologize for that. I think I'm just so jaded from never, from being so disappointed over and over and over again. So that's where I was coming from. I was like, but no, let's do this. Like I'm in, like I'm in and yeah, we're, that's it. We get married next year. It's really something. It's incredible story. And so beautiful when you talk about just like all of the work that you did to get there and how it it's this quote is Steve jobs and it's lame that I'm sharing it, but it talks about how you like can't connect the dots looking forwards, only looking backwards. Right. And it's like your journey really does lead you to where you're meant to be. But at at the time, my age, or just when you're going through it, you're like, fuck, I just wish I knew. Right. Like I wish I knew it was all going to work out and kind of transitioning a bit, but talking about money and careers, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like you often say wealth is such an internal game and kind of like what I was talking about before. I think we do things backwards. Sometimes we, we pick our major, we pick the career, we learn the tactical skills, but like we never check in with ourselves. Like, am, 
and really, I think especially as women, like I'm worthy of making a fuck ton of money if I want to, right? Can you kind of talk about what you teach around wealth and your belief systems there as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wealth is what I like to call. So I, when I use the words masculine and feminine, I'm not speaking about uh, bina- like binary gender. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about polarity. There's a law in the universe, ironically called the law of gender. But again, it's not talking about gender. It's not talking about anatomy. It's not talking about socialization. It's talking about energetic polarity. And the way that we master anything, whether it's ourselves or money or partnership or health, is this balance of masculine active energy and feminine receptive. And so money's the same. My old approach to money was from a wounded masculine paradigm. I thought if I worked and 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 worked, then I'd be okay. Well, that's not true. That's not how it works. You also must be at a place in your soul, in your emotions, where you feel worthy of receiving, where you feel safe with money, not just money itself, but most of all with yourself and you feel safe with life. Now there's things that we do in terms of the masculine polarity that help us do that. Like one of the tools that I teach is money management. And you have to have systems like systems in a business are what make a business hold the most space for your magnificent creativity. Creativity is like, let's say the creative force is more of a feminine, but remember, I say this all the time when I teach this, cause somebody always asks me, I'm not talking about women. I'm not talking about men I'm talking about energy. The creative force is what makes it powers everything, but what it needs more than ever is structure. So money is a powerful creative force, but it requires structure. It requires organization. So the reason I mention all of this is because my old approach to money was from left brain, what everyone told me, what my parents taught me, and it just wasn't speaking my language. It was missing the mark because I had low self-worth. I had fear around money. I had so many different ideas and and, um, projections going on in my head around what money was, what I could do with it, what I was worthy of making all of this stuff. And it wasn't until I started to work with the energetic side of money, the emotional side of money, the subconscious side of money, the spiritual side of money that everything started to change. But here's the thing. It can't just be in the manifestation mode. And in my opinion, it shouldn't just be in the manager money and invest mode. Mm-hmm. To really have a fulfilling, beautiful, powerful relationship with money, we want to have both polarities. So we want to work with the energetics and we also want to do what money requires of us to hold space for her or him or it, right? Like money is energy, just like everything in this universe. Like this bottle cap is energy, this phone, everything is compact atoms moving at a speed that I don't understand with my brain, but it's, it's the right, everything's energy. Yes. And so money is not 
separate from that. So when you can work with, and something I always like to add when I speak about money is very simply money is a loaded topic. We have ancestral wounds around money, systematic oppression when it comes to money, whether it be race, gender, or all of the above, there is so much loaded onto this one thing. And so when I speak about this, it's always from a space of humility that I can only share my perspective. But what I have seen work, not only for myself, but for the countless women that are in my work and who've moved on from my membership, is that when you work with both the energetic, magical, emotional sides of money, as well as the pragmatic, grounded, active, managerial sides of money, you can create fulfillment, security, freedom, and peace with something that for so much of the world feels like such a challenge. And so that's a big passion and like mission of mine with what I teach is that money is not one-sided. It's, it's two-sided. It has the energetic, the spiritual, and also the active and practical that it requires to truly have a fulfilling relationship with it. What are some of the spiritual and energetic things that you do around money, whether it's like affirmations or other things that you teach in your course that maybe you could offer someone listening to try to start reframing their thinking? Absolutely. So, okay. So first things first, subconscious work. Um, A lot of what I teach, like inside of my membership, we have a membership called Magical Women and Money. It's available for everybody, but it's mostly women in there because it's it's very woo-woo, but we do the tactical in there too. But we focus a lot on subconscious work because you can say, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. I want money, I want money. I want to feel blah, 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 all the things all day. But if you have a subconscious story that's like, well, you're not worthy and no one in your family has ever mm-hmm. had money and this, that, and the other, it can be very hard to actually hold space for that new desire and belief around your worth. So we want to work at that subconscious level. Visualization is very powerful. And obviously also depending on your human design type, I don't know much about human design. I know a little bit here and there, but um, you can also look into your human design type. How do you run energy? How do you manifest? Um, What is the way that your body speaks to you in terms of your manifesting and magnetic capacity. Um, like I know for myself, like visualization has been a massive tool for me when something lights up my sacral. Um, I personally love to focus, manifest and visualize with, with music. Mm-hmm. Um, just did that this morning, something I used to do a lot. My whole life now is a, an outpicturing of those, uh, consistent visualization sessions. So Do you always do them in the morning or? Yeah, having a morning practice. So something that I actually have, and we can give this link to you and your listeners, but I have a really beautiful, um, simple sequence. It's completely free, but it takes you through like a money visualization meditation, a bank building training where I introduce my money management system, mystical and tactical um, money practices. So like what I'm talking about here where you, and it's called my success recipe. So you have like two mystical practices, 
to tactical practices and that's your morning ritual. I'm very, very big on morning rituals. I think the way you start your day is everything. Um, What you focus on first thing in your day is everything. Um, There's a lot of just very, very important, important key pieces of magic that you can key into when you choose what you focus on first thing in the morning. Um, so as it's so true, like my morning routine, I'm not a good human, like throughout the day, it's so hard to not set yourself up for that. And you set a good point there, just like about what you put in your mind in the morning. I think obviously so many of us look at our phones and really don't consciously consume. We just consume as the day goes on. And especially this week, I mentioned it was a really challenging week. I tried to start my day with things like very intentionally because I think we just don't realize how powerful that is sometimes. Oh yeah. And never forget the power of your language. So if you say things like, I can't afford that, or I can't, or that's expensive or, um, expensive is such a good one. I've heard you talk about it before. Yeah. And I was you'll, you'll hear it in the power of the subconscious mm-hmm. mind. I was yeah, just telling my boyfriend about it. I was like, Joe, expensive. Yeah. that sounds so like bad. I know it's, I think it's interesting when people, and I, and I hear people say it who have so much money and I'm always like weird. Like yeah. I just choose not to say that word. And it's just not in my world. Like something to me, is it expensive? Sure. Maybe, but that's a judgment call. It's like, how about just being like, you know what? I'm let's take a power stance. Like actually that is just not where I'm choosing to spend my money. And at this moment, just cause I'm not able to spend my money on it doesn't mean that one day I won't be able to. But I think that when we put something in the expensive category, we automatically separate ourselves from it. We put it on a pedestal and we make it like better than us or better than our current situation. So language is huge. Money management is huge. I have like a full blown money management system that I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little co- complex. It's not complex actually at all, but explaining it without yeah. the visuals <laughs> is a lot. But, but, um, we'll we'll link it and have our listeners check it out. Yeah, please. It's really powerful. And you know, anything that you can do where you're paying attention to your money. And the reason why I always speak about money management is because that was the single tool other than the energetic and the prosperity mantras and the things I was doing on the internal um, and the spiritual side, you know, money management is what created the safe space for that money and those opportunities to pour through. And that was when I really started to build wealth and have, you know, six figures and savings and like things like that. Anything is possible. And obviously income and working on your income. I am unabashedly passionate about people having their own businesses, having their own streams of income, having their own way to make money. And, but then also if that's not something that you want to do, then just owning your worth in your work and being smart with your money and investments. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many options, but the money management system helps you get a clear view on exactly where you're at financially. My, I never have to guess where I'm at financially ever. Like I I open my bank. I see 
everything going on. Everything is labeled. Mm -hmm. I have an allocation process. That all sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo. Believe me, you guys, like it's hilarious. My parents are like, I actually sat down the other night and took my dad through my banking system and all of my investments. And he was like, sometimes I like, can't believe this is such a disaster. And, um, and so financially confused. And it was because I was listening to his paradigm instead of mine. Mm -hmm. And so I like to teach money also in a fun way. It can be intimidating to take on these new practices and do things in a new way. But once you start doing it, it's just like riding a bike or surfing a surfboard or hiking. It's like the initial descent is hard, but then when you get acclimated, it's phenomenal and life-changing. Yeah. Especially with money management. I think like so many of us don't actually know where our money goes. And I was talking to money or about money with my boyfriend the other day and whatever. And he's just like, have you put a lot of thought into like what then you want, what the changes you want to make? Have you like looked at it? And it's like, a lot of times we're like, Oh, I really want to be better with money. But like, have you spent even 10 minutes a day, like looking at your money? Probably not because it's this idea of avoidance. So I think that's so powerful. You just talking about like the money management, because it's really just any system that you can deploy that works for you. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing when it comes to money management, um, you know, yeah, find something that works for you. I will make sure that we get you. You actually are inspiring me because I've been wanting to edit out my most recent money management. So you've inspired me to do that. And I will make sure that we get you the link. That would be amazing. Thank you. I know we only have a little bit left, but I kind of want to touch on something you said in the beginning about the astrology of our generation. Um, Those in their mid and early twenties, just kind of what you mean by that, what you know about that be beautiful to hear. Oh yeah. So give me, if you don't mind, could I have your birthday? Yes. I was born August 11th of 1997. Holy moly. I love it. We're 10 years apart. Wild. I texted wild? my mom this morning. Cause I was like, I might like, I, I don't even know what time I was born. So I was like, and she was like, I don't know. 8am you were scheduled C-section question mark. <laughs> I was like, okay, mom. What time do you know? 8.01am according to her best thought. Okay. And then where? In Redwood city, California. Redwood city. Okay. So let's check this out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at, let's see. I'm going to look at what the outer planets were up to when you were born in 97. So the outer planets in astrology, essentially what they represent here, all, um, I can share my screen, even though I know our listeners can't, uh, can't see, but at least you can see, and I'll take you through this real quick. That's great. So basically the, the outer planets. So I'm actually going to take away all the inner planets, just so we can just look at the outer planets, uh, Jupiter, should we keep Jupiter? Maybe this is so cool. Yeah. It's super fascinating. Can we just do this like as all the time? Yeah. That's what this is what I did. Hey Siri is Jupiter considered an outer planet in astrology. 
Okay. I found this on the web for his Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah. Jupiter is, I, I wasn't sure. I just asked Siri if I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. So basically, so what we're looking at right now, other than Chiron, I will keep Chiron. That's always fascinating. So what we're looking at right now is the one, two, three, four, five major outer planets. We're also seeing the North and South node and then uh, Chiron. So anyone who's born within, man, this, this is where it'll get a little bit tricky because I'm sure you have a range of ages, but anyone born near 97 or within a couple years is likely going to have extremely similar outer planet configuration as you. Um, and what that, the way we translate that astrologically is just very simply that that's how an astrologer looks at the generations which is really cool. So baby boomers have like, let's use the example, like baby boomers, they have Pluto in Leo. Mm -hmm. Um, Millennials have, which is, would be considered me would be Pluto in Scorpio. Y'all, my Gen Z's, you guys are Pluto in Sagittarius. So the way that astrologers look at like generational, um, just sweeping generational characteristics is through the outer planets. So, so Pluto and Sagittarius, you know, I look at that very much as like a generation that is going to buck a lot of norms and really seek to move things forward because Sagittarius is very much it's Sagittarius energy is very open-minded and it's also very, very interested in, um, it's very, very interested in moving things forward and truth and Pluto in the sign of Sagittarius can be a generation that just like, doesn't want to have a bunch of bullshit. It's like, and also Mm -hmm. probably wants to like recreate some definitions around what it is to have fun, what it is to be connected to other people, because Sagittarius is very much like the world. Sagittarius is like, they don't want to just be tied down to like their community or like one to two people. Sagittarius is like, I want to know everybody. I want to get to know someone completely different from me. So how does this, does this sound resonant at all for your generation? It definitely does. I feel like our generation is very different too. Like in in the sense of doing things differently, approaching things differently, especially with like careers and work, which is often scary in the sense where people feel like, do I need to go make my passion, my, my hustle? Like, I think this is so spot on though. Yeah. And I, I have to be honest, I, I don't do a lot of astrology anymore. And, uh, it's really fun when I get to sit down and do my synthesis and just kind of put that hat on again. Um, cause that's really what I started with, but it's, you know, it's really fascinating. Like the Gen Z, like y'all are, you've got, let's see, like Uranus in Aquarius, which is very progressive, Mm -hmm. very forward moving, does not like norms, does not want to be told what to do. Sagittarius and 
Aquarius are the freedom lovers. They want to do things their own way. And that's kind of the tricky thing between generations because who has a lot of power right now? Well, it's a lot of it's baby boomers. Millennials are starting to come into more, let's say power in the external sense. But for Gen Z, you guys are like, we're, we're not going to like play by all these rules. Like we've got technology and we're going to use it in a really interesting way that really moves us beyond like sort of the ideas of the past because Uranus is like, fuck the past. Uranus does not fuck with the past. Uranus is all about the future and something really fascinating for you guys as well. Um, at least what I can see from you being born in 97 is you are like your generation or within, let's say 10 to 14 years, um, behind you. Let me see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have to look how long Neptune was in Capricorn, but basically Neptune in Capricorn is, well, actually, let me think here. I'm Neptune in Capricorn and I'm 87. Neptune moves very, very slowly. You're like the very end of Neptune Capricorn. Sorry. I'm like computing right now. No, as we I love it. I love but it. Like watching you in this element too. It's, it's so really cool. Right. It's so much fun. And I just, I love, and I, I hope all this is making sense too, mm-hmm. but what's really beautiful here with Neptune Capricorn, it's actually funny because I, I had a class once and I, we were talking to a gal and we said something because a lot of generations, they'll be like, yeah, that's me. Or they'll be like, oh, that's not really me when it comes to Neptune because Neptune's more nebulous. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about Neptune and Capricorn is it actually can be like the spirituality of the material. So we have also very much been raised in a generation that's like, stores and brands and like status symbols and all of these things, but at the same time can also bring a depth to them because Neptune is Neptune has a lot of things that it represents in Western astrology. It can be, um, spirituality, the subconscious, it can also be sort of like nebulous ties to things like where we're kind of neither here nor there. It's very otherworldly. So it can also be just having a unique perspective on the systems at large, on the way the past works, on the way our overall collective world works and having a deeper perspective. Um, I will say really quickly that the babies being born right now are Neptune and Pisces. And my joke about them is that they're going to be this, I mean, it's really, I don't want to say joke. It's, it's not a joke, but it's, it's really beautiful actually, but they're just going to be deeply, deeply sensitive old souls because Neptune rules Pisces. And, um, it's going to be fascinating to see some of these younger generations, you guys included, but like Neptune and Aquarius and Neptune and Pisces, it's going to be very interesting to see how you guys and how you you're the later degrees of Neptune cap, but especially for the Neptune Aquarius and Neptune, um, Pisces, which is going to be anyone most likely born after 2000, how they relate to spirituality, how they relate to humanity at large. It's going to be very different, very unique. Wow. That would be um, beautiful to watch and see how it all yeah. works. 
And I'm already seeing it. Like when I meet like my friend's kids and um, they're just, well, first off, they're very unique. They're just different. They just have a different way of seeing and feeling and connecting to the world that has a lot of depth. And, and Neptune and Capricorn is also nothing to scoff at. We're, we're a very powerful generation. Mm-hmm. We're also just a very unique line in the sand between um, really choosing to see the depth and the, and just having a unique relationship to spirituality, um, and, uh, kind of dissolving some of the old ideas of just like how things are done at a systematic level. So yeah, pretty cool. Right. So freaking cool. I I know we're at time. I just have to ask you, like, do you use this in your life? Like when you found out more about your astrology, like, did you start to apply it to the way you do things and like, approach like different people. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I'm surprised I didn't ask you your sign when we started, because it really, I love to understand people's Mm -hmm. personalities based on their charts or their sun signs, if that's all they know. And yeah, I mean, I'm a living example of my chart. Like I am the embodiment of my chart and not because my chart was like, this is who you are. This is who you should be. It was just because as I learned about my chart, I had my first reading when I was 22, but as I learned about it, I was just like, this is who I am. And I knew it at a core visceral level. And, um, astrology is a magnificent language and a beautiful tool for empowerment in that way when it's used correctly. That is so empowering. And I feel like I'm excited to dive more into this, but I know I have to let you go. I have to ask you my one closing question, which is if you could go back and tell the Natalia who just graduated from college and entered the real world, one thing, what would you tell her? Oh my God. Just like drop the fear. Love you. Drop the fear. Like I was saying bye to my mom, drop the fear. Everything's going to be okay. Like I just used to have so much anxiety, so much fear, so much desire for control. And at the end of the day, it was unnecessary. It all works out perfectly. And I was being guided the entire time. So just know that fear is part of the human experience, but like, don't let it rule your life. It's not not needed. You got it. Uh, that resonates with me so deeply. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you and connect with you? It was just so beautiful chatting with you. Thank you, Angel. I loved this. And thank you for the great, just the incredible questions and letting me share who I am. And um, so if you'd like to stay in touch, I'm very active on Instagram, just at Natalia underscore Benson and website is nataliabenson.com. And for anyone who would love to receive those, the um, money visualization, the bank building training and the success recipe, I can go ahead and give you the link. You just opt in and it just comes to you in a series of really, really beautiful emails. I'm very into aesthetics uh, and making everything really special. Like so aesthetically pleasing. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. That's important to me. And Mike, I have a Capricorn rising in, in terms of my astrology too. So I just love creating the, mm-hmm. the, the aesthetic, or maybe that's my Venus and Pisces. Anyways, we'll talk about that <laughs> next time we chat, but yeah, I will, I'll get that link over to you. And yeah, I look forward to, to meeting anybody who's uh, tuned into this episode. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to my conversation with Natalia. She is just a beautiful human being and I am so grateful we could have her on the podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, which I hope it did, please feel free to share it on social media, send it to a friend you think might need it and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that really does help the podcast grow. I'm so grateful for you guys. Please let me know what you think of these episodes and if there's any guests you want to hear, send them my way. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week.